The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It's Thursday. Welcome to the show, everybody. We've got a lot to talk about. Not as newsy of a show today, but we have lessons learned from Heath Cummings and Dave Richard, and we have a Dynasty mock draft to review. One of the lessons I learned is that we should talk more Dynasty, especially this time of year. So we did a uh, 12-team PPR Dynasty startup mock draft yesterday with no rookies, and we'll let you know how it went. C.D. Lamb was, what, the third pick, Heath? Fourth pick, third non-quarterback drafted, yes, by me. And it was a one it was a one just explained league. that to you literally 30 seconds ago, what number he went. <laughs> he you wants know, to say it on the show, though. I, 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 you have been very mean to me this month. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. Uh, you know, uh, you need to, you, like, lesson learned. Don't be so mean to Adam. He has feelings. He has I, feelings. I feel like I've been nicer to you in the last month. You have, and Jamie is, you, like, Adam. picking up where you left off. I don't understand what's going on here, but... Uh, all right, so we'll do uh, we'll do the dynasty draft in the la- in the second portion of the show, and uh, first we'll start I've heard with that the- story before. <laughs> we'll save oh, we it. didn't have time for the dynasty draft today. <laughs> we'll save <laughs> at least five minutes for the dynasty draft. I promise. Um, Heath, what was your lesson learned in 2022? I said I had a lot of them, and it's true. Um, so I'm going to give you like three, and you can tell me which one you want to discuss. Um, one. And I wrote about this two years ago and didn't hardly even think about it this year. But I do think that there we need to remember the value in continuity. Um, we saw a lot of teams with turnover at quarterback or offensive coordinator who really struggled early in the season. And so I'm going to get back to valuing those teams that have the same quarterback, offensive coordinator, and um, weapon that we're drafting. Uh, two is I th- I'm going to be a little less optimistic about players who are currently hurt. 
Yeah. Um, I had too many teams that had J.K. Dobbins, Chris Godwin, and DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins was suspended, not hurt. Thinking, man, I'm gonna, I'll get to 500 week seven, and then I'm gonna dominate the league. And I had, I think, one team for sure where I started at 0 and 5, got back to 5 and 5, and then didn't quite make the playoffs. But I, I got off to way too many slow starts. And then three, and this covered almost all of our favorite round three or round four wide receivers um, that didn't quite live up to our expectations. Uh, I'm going to be more careful with giving um, upgrade at quarterback bonuses to receivers if the quarterback they're upgrading to isn't anything special. Hmm, that one is interesting. All right, all right. So we have like Michael Pittman. DJ Moore. Oh, yeah, uh, right, right. We, we thought okay. those guys, oh, they're going to they're have a better quarterback this year. Right. And, yeah. Okay, okay. So uh, we could talk about all of them, I guess. Value and continuity, less optimistic about players who are currently hurt. Be more careful with giving upgrades to wide receivers. No, sorry. Be more yeah. careful upgrading wide receivers who are getting maybe marginal quarterback upgrades. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Which, uh, which one do you want to tackle here? Let's start with the last one. Okay. Okay. So, so we're talking about because you know, obviously, the guy that crushed me was was Cortland Sutton. I thought he was getting a big quarterback upgrade, and he wasn't. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that he's the best example of that, but I guess he he is now in, in retrospect. Right. He absolutely is. So is DJ Moore. So is a, a number of wide receivers. Um, you mentioned it, Heath. It's in that guys in that round three and four range. And, and it's so easy to make the case. Like, I remember your case for DJ Moore, however many months ago it was at this point. I guess it's like eight months ago. And it made sense. The track record of Baker Mayfield, although it wasn't, you know, amazing, it was good enough. You could make the case that Baker was the best quarterback that DJ Moore had ever played with. And with that being the case, DJ Moore should be in line for great numbers. And instead, Baker took a vacation in Carolina. He was terrible. And it took, it really, honestly, it took until Sam Darnold was under center. That's a terrible vacation. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, the it's, hotel canceled on you. Your luggage got lost. You got food poisoning. Oof. Everything that happened to David Pamer in Ocean's 13 happened to DJ Moore. Oh, a great reference. Thanks Thank for you. spoiling it. Great. Um, and that one's actually a combination of two. Like DJ Moore was so bad of a miss that he covers two of my lessons learned. Uh, because also, I think part of what went wrong with DJ Moore was that I overlooked Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo't. Um, and I think he had a, either a directive or came in with a plan at the beginning of the year that we're not going to throw the ball 10 times a game to DJ Moore. We're going to spread the ball around. We're going to th- throw some screens to, to Shy Smith, see if we can get those things going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's that continuity thing. I was projecting a 30% or 27% or whatever target share for DJ Moore. That's what he'd grown into. And then he didn't get that. I think we were all we're always looking for Cooper Cup getting Matthew Stafford and for Stefan Diggs getting this Josh Allen breakout, right? This mid-round wide receiver, four round four, round five, something like that. I mean, okay, that's where DJ Moore's ADP was. We were obviously taking him much higher. Same with Sutton. Um Michael Pittman ended up being a round three pick. But that whole idea of quarterback upgrade, I don't want to, we don't want to completely walk away from it, right? Because what happens if Derek Carr goes to the Jets or something like that? That, that I think, would be a big upgrade. Yeah. So what but the hell we ha- thought that with Baker going to Carolina. You just Carr's you don't better know than, until... Carr's better, though, right? I mean, the games Carr- are actually play, but we're going to be able to make... I don't know if the case for Garrett Wilson is going to be so great. 
we're going to say, yeah, he's upgrading to Derek Carr and he's got Nathaniel Hackett as his play caller. That makes me a little nervous, and I've got him ranked pretty high. Isn't Carr you know, I'm, I'm major? On Wilson because Carr is huge. Being a great not talent, not hearing me. Do you not hear me? I'm sorry. So, but isn't Carr a much bigger upgrade than than Baker Mayfield, though? Well, sure. And anybody's an upgrade over Zach Wilson at this point. Well, and and, and to tie in Cortland Sutton, I mean, it's not like Jerry Judy was bad. Jerry Judy was good with Russell Wilson. He wasn't that. Good. He wasn't a standout or anything. He was really only good when Sutton he had a pretty was out. Good year. He did not. Jerry Judy. Did. Jerry Judy. Did not have an impactful fantasy season, especially when you factor in the games that Sutton played. When Sutton was out, Jerry Judy went off a little bit. But when they were both there, he was fine, but he wasn't anything special. I think you need to do some Azer studying. Okay. I yeah, mean, end of season, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He, he had a game where he played one snap, and he had a game where he played 10 snaps. Yeah, I um, won't count those. Like, he... I think he was. I know at one point in the season he was like eight for eight in games that he played at least sixty percent of the snaps, scoring at least fourteen fantasy points. No, that can't be. Because he no. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. I'm looking at it right now. It, it can't be. <laughs> okay, maybe You're it was wrong, seven he, for eight or whatever. But he, he had a very just good wrong. <laughs> I mean, he had 102 yards in week one. Then he had 11. I think he left that game week two. Then 17 yards, 53 yards, 53 yards, 54 yards. 96 yards, 63 yards. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was that great of a year for Jerry Judy. He was never viewed that way. We, not until not until late in the season when Cortland Sutton was hurt that we start viewing Jerry Judy as a must-start wide receiver. I mean, it feels like revisionist history to me to say Jerry Judy had a great season. His finishing kick was pretty strong. That's what I said. His finishing, that's when Jerry Judy, that's when Cortland Sutton was out. And then Sutton came back and Judy had sort okay, of so reclaimed, I think I, had kept that number one role. This this is how I look at it. Week seven, he had 16 fantasy points. Week eight, he had 18 fantasy points. Week 10, he got hurt. Yeah. Week 13, he only played 20 snaps. You don't count those games. It was 38% of the snaps. Okay. <laughs> then, he the, then he had the three touchdown game against the Chiefs. Yes. Then 14, then 17, then 10, then 20. As I mentioned. 23. But no week seven. But, yeah, but, okay, yes. Sutton only missed two of those games. Sutton missed... To yeah, he left one early as well, but that was actually a bad one for Judy. Um, he also posted a career high in catches, yards, and touchdowns. He had 972 yards in 15 games. He had but, 67 okay, catches. I don't think we're making him out to be a top five fantasy receiver. But he Adam, three of those it was, it was, was, he just, played 31 late snaps. in the season. Adam, Adam, just let, let me ask you a question. Then this will sum it up. Had he not gotten Russell Wilson, and this was another year of Teddy Bridgewater. Would he, have, would he have put up these numbers? No, but I think you called him. I think you said he was great. He, I don't think he was great. That's what. Well, I would, he was. He was. No, he I was said better. he was better with his quarterback. Yeah, okay. I believe I heard the word great, but yeah, of course he was better. He was better. Um, he finished great. Yeah. All right. Well, what, I mean, like, I, I think Garoppolo is going to be an interesting test case this offseason. Uh, would, would you know the upgrade we give a wide receiver if they go from someone terrible to Garoppolo? You know. Uh, I think it just depends on where he goes. You know, if he goes to a situation where they're asking to throw downfield, you know, like if Tampa keeps the same offense, despite, you know, removing their offense coordinator, but if they keep a similar system where they're throwing the ball downfield, Garoppolo's going to stink. Okay. Dave, what was your lesson? Uh, hold on, let me promote something real quick. Wait, yeah. you've, got, you've got more lessons for Heath, though. No, that's fine. I, was, I, I threw out three. Those well, are out there. We talked about one. The, the other one that I'd want to talk about is that the injury one for Heath. And how he he doesn't want to overvalue injured players. 
And I would argue that the majority of the players that were hurt coming into drafts last year had a had a discount on their ADP. Like if J.K. Dobbins was totally fine, he wouldn't have been taken as a round four or round five guy. The only one that I can think of, and, and Heath mentioned he had a lot of this player on his teams, this guy hurt my teams too, was Godwin. Because we saw Godwin starting to participate in training camp, and it looked like he would be ready to go. What about and Michael we knew Thomas? that he wasn't necessarily an explosive wide receiver in the first place, just a good volume receiver. Well, Dobbins was around five pick. Right, but where would he have gone if he were healthy? If he was healthy? If there was no knee injury to J.K. Dobbins. Oh, round three? Yeah, but, I mean, that still, that, That's not a discount, though, for Dobbins. The discount no. wasn't big enough. No, Dobbins was a terrible No, pick. it ended up not being big enough, but there was a discount. Godwin was actually drafted after Dobbins. Godwin's was round five? Then shoot, I was drafting Godwin way too early. Um, but Godwin, I guess, was at a discount if his ADP was round five. Michael Thomas had a discount. You can tell me when his ADP was. But it I wasn't remember big getting enough. him in like round nine in, in some drafts. Hopkins had a discount because Michael he was suspended. Thomas was round six. Okay. And DeAndre Hopkins, 7 8. Hopkins, Lay them straight. Well, this is CBS ADP. So Hopkins was pick 100. Ooh, even better. So I, I, I feel like that was baked in, and that, that's going to continue to be the case. But which with of those guys were worth that year. discounted ADP? Yeah. I think Hopkins was absolutely worth that discount. He's interesting. He wasn't hurt, you know. He was suspended. Right. I think. I think I'm definitely gonna. I'm definitely gonna back off guys who are coming off torn ACLs, uh, because I did have a lot of Godwin and I did have a lot of Dobbins, just like you, Heath, and it did not work out. It just didn't. Um, well, I think you got to factor in though what you're hearing by the time you're drafting, because like Brees Hall, if he's you know ready to go for training camp, and gives you four week worth four weeks worth of practice. Mm-hmm. You're not going to yeah. run away from him. Same you, thing. You may, you may be concerned. I said, but you're not gonna right. Run away. I'm not going to run away from him. Same thing with Javante in Denver, especially now with Sean Payton there. Right. Those guys had early injuries. Yes. So right. So there's obviously there there are caveats here. Um, did they have did they have multiple injuries? Because because uh, it wasn't just an ACL for Dobbins. He had multiple knee issues in that same injury. Um, you know, and I think I think Brees Hall had the same. I don't think it was just an ACL. I'll have to check on that. Uh, might have been like a meniscus too or something. But, um, you know, obviously, yeah, we'll see what the preseason reports are. But I, I think the teams are always going to express optimism about their guys. And, you know, I think we've dealt with that with Saquon Barkley, for example, where a lot of positive reports and, and then he comes back and it's not until after the year where they go, well, he just wasn't the same. He wasn't really fully back. You know, th- that's going to happen. Um, so uh, you know, you can get tricked by the reports too, because the players and the organ like, they're going to be, they're going to spin it optimistic. I think it leaves you. In yeah. A tough but spot. I, I think for, for Dobbins, for example, there was videos of him limping and, you know, his, his gait wasn't the same, you know? So, you know, I, I think you gotta, you said it best. There's gotta be caveats, gotta be a case by case basis. Um, Cam Akers was supposed to be a hundred percent, you know, and, and who knows how healthy he was by the time. You know, even rushing back last season, you know, maybe he just wasn't wasn't right. You know, so yeah, we we have to gauge it. All right. Uh, so those are Heath's lessons. We have a Facebook group. That's a lesson to learn today. Go to the Facebook group and join it. Go to Facebook.com and search for Fantasy Football Today. There's also a link in the episode description. This is a great way to talk to uh, other Fantasy Football Today listeners, other Fantasy Football players, and get some advice or just talk shop a little bit. Big trade happens or signing or whatever. Just go to that Facebook group. There's going to be some reaction, and you know, it's just a good way to uh, socially network with people, I'd say. Dave, your lesson learned for 2022 is what? 
Call me, uh, call me Axel because I'm going to preach patience with fantasy football and in two different ways. The first one's going to be keeping it in mind on draft day, especially when you get to the midpoint of your draft and the end of your draft, thinking about the players who you're willing to be patient with when you draft them. And these can be high upside players, but the worst thing you could ever do is draft a player that's got high upside and after two weeks you say, oh, this guy sucks, I'm getting rid of him, and then he ends up being good. And th there's the case of Justin Fields from last year, that's the biggest one of them all, where the first four weeks of the season, no one, no one could make a case for Justin Fields after the first four weeks of the season. So I kind of can't blame people for cutting him after they took him with a late pick, but just imagine if you had stayed patient a little bit longer than four weeks with Justin Fields, how happy you would have been to have him on your fantasy team. He averaged 24 fantasy points per game from week five on after averaging only 10 fantasy points in the first four weeks of the season. And there's other players too that started slowly or really didn't do much. And then they got going And some of them. There's an interesting, like there's two sides of the story. There's a guy like Kenneth Walker, who everybody was going to be patient with because they know he's a rookie and it, it was just a matter of time before he got his chance. You just didn't know when it was going to happen. And then when he did get that chance, he went off versus somebody like James Conner, who through the first five weeks of the season, was right around 10 fantasy points per game, wasn't really getting it done. We were very nervous about him. And then when he came back, he, he basically carried the Cardinals offense for a huge chunk of the second half of the season and averaged over 18 PPR points per game. So the second half to what I'm saying is not only should you um, be patient with your players and think about the players who you're willing to be patient with on draft day, but once you've got them on your team, be patient with them for as long as you possibly can. You don't have to set a limit on it on draft day. But maybe think about it as I'm willing to wait these guys out month and a half, two months, however long it takes, because I want to see these guys do well, because when they do do well, they'll be great for my fantasy team. But what happens with two cases? What happens with players that are struggling for several weeks, like Christian Watson, for example? You know, so you're, you were. Yeah, we, so this, we, is, we, we, this we, is obviously the other side of it. We, we were expecting great things out of the gate. You saw the big play potential in the first game when he has a drop. And then you start to get to bye weeks, and these are guys yeah, that, are, that are in that in that gray area of I'd like to hold on to them, mm -hmm. but I can't justify it because I don't want to drop guys that I'm using. So, I think at that point you've got to let them go. Okay, but that's the point that I want to get to. I don't want to do it just because I'm sick of looking at this guy's name sure. on my bench sure. through the first three weeks of the, the season. The other part of it, part of it, would be is we went through a season where Kareem Hunt did nothing, but you know what he was capable of doing. You don't want to cut that guy. Ooh, that's a good example because I have a team with Kareem Hunt that won its league, and he was on my bench all once. I I couldn't cut him. I couldn't do it. Right. So it's a good so example. Madison, you know these these high end handcuff guys that you yeah. know, um, if something happens to the player in front of them, they're league winners. You know, so those type of players, like, what do you get to that? I that I, I think I do with them what I did with them in years and years past, and that's just hang on to them and hope that I don't need the the spot. I'm never going to cut a player. Just because he sucks, there's got to be a reason to cut it's a, a player. Crunch. It's a roster. It's a yeah. It's the numbers game that you yeah. hear about in the NFL sure. all the time. Sure. It's just like that in fantasy too. Does this mean you're going to be more cautious on the waiver wire early in the season? Uh, potentially, if, but if there's a player that I believe in, who maybe I was looking at drafting, and then he went undrafted in my league, and then he gets off to a good start. So in like week for, one, you like you you loved Isaiah McKenzie. He right? was my guy. And so McKenzie was somebody you drafted a lot of. Mm -hmm. How much patience would you would you take with a guy like that? 
I held on to my Isaiah McKenzie for first couple of weeks of the season, and I think it was like week three. I think it was against the Dolphins. He had a good game. He had a big role in that game. I got excited, held on to him. Any other leagues where he was available, I went and I picked him up. Uh, and then how long did – how about this question? I'll answer this. How long did I hang on to him after those games? Because he obviously yeah, that's, that's the hit a wall in the middle of the season. Sure. Uh, yeah, I started dropping him right around midseason. And that ended up being a good move. But I had to do it because of what you talked about. I needed to fill Five that spot under, sure. with somebody else. Yep. Maybe there was maybe someone dropped Christian Watson, and I was able to pick up Christian Watson and drop Isaiah McKenzie. That type of move I'm, I'm more than happy to do because I'm still getting a guy who I'm willing to be patient with who might have a better opportunity to help me sooner than McKenzie would. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. That makes sense. I help. Yep. Patience is the word to keep in mind. And we'll go over this again in August for sure. And that's a really bad Guns N' Roses song, I might add. It's not their best song. No, it's it's really not. Okay, um, their best song. I'll play the uh, the intro to their best song. It's uh, the Fantasy Cops song. Not a Guns N' Roses song, but we do have Fantasy Cops for you today. Are you ready to do some policing? Yes. All right, let's do it. This is from Joe. From the home of the worst ball stadium in baseball. The worst stadium in baseball. Hmm. Tampa? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he says, hey, Vlad, Bo, George, and Alec. Those are baseball players. Yeah. Th- those. I guess it's Toronto. <laughs> those yeah, are, Blue Jays. Uh, those are Blue Jays. Uh, I've listened almost to every show for... I've listened to almost every show for two plus years. And I just finished last in my league... No fault to oh. you guys. I had Trey Lance, Kyler Murray, Javante Williams, and Brees Hall in a 2QB league. All right. Conscience is clear then. Okay. I'm emailing for your opinion on a proper punishment for our commissioner. This happened on a week where there was a 9 a.m. London game. The game began, and he started a running back that was injured. Ten minutes into the game, we noticed that he used his powers to substitute the healthy backup in and the injured running back out. Once this was pointed out, he apologized. He took the loss. He actually won that week, so he gave himself a loss. And he offered to lose his first-round pick next season. Opinions are all over the place in the league. What should the proper punishment be? A, take the loss that week. B, take the loss and lose a first-round pick. Or C, get kicked out of the league. So how many minutes was it? Ten. Ten minutes into the game, he started an injured player. This had, to be, had, this had to be Camara, right? Probably. If he had makes sense. If he had emailed the league, and it's the early game, said, "Hey, listen, I, I overslept, whatever." Would anybody have said anything? Yeah, they would have yeah. said you have to keep that guy in in your lineup. You think? Yes, definitely. What would you say? I would have said ten minutes in, change it. Sure, no problem. You're the kindest commissioner on the planet. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> You're not so great with the finances, but unless, you're, unless, you're unless, there's, unless there's an issue of this guy doing this a lot. Like if it's if it's the first time that's ever happened and it's an uh, early oh, game. Man. So first Keith? off, this guy can't be commissioner ever again. That's I agree in any league for the rest of his life. Um, I don't think he should have taken an L that week. He just can't ever be a commissioner again, and he can't start the guy he switched it to. He had to switch it back. Like, I, I wonder, though, like, if he noticed it five minutes in and then, you know, had the moral dilemma of do I change it, do I not change it? I know he's going to know I'll change it. You know, like. And then he got busted. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if he noticed it two minutes into the game? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And he's replaced. 
He's replacing him with somebody who's playing at 1 o'clock. Like, to me, if, if it's a 1 o'clock game, it's a little different story. I'd like to know if this was Kamara, because I, I remember being very lenient with the Kamara situation, um, it, because all indications were that he was going to play, and I felt like anyone who woke up and saw he was inactive had every right to to take him out, because we just... You know, we just never could have we never could have foreseen him missing that game. So I'm kind of leaning towards what Jamie's saying. The commissioner messed up by not being transparent about it. I mean, that's that's a mess up for sure. Right, right. Yeah, like th- there should be like if he took the loss and he gave himself the loss, like let it go. That's it. So you just say give him the loss that week. Don't, don't have to if give up the a, pick. I mean, look, he, he he punished himself. If he's been a terrible commissioner, then there's obviously reasons to remove him as commissioner. I don't think he came out of the league. Uh, losing a first-round pick, if you guys want to go that far, okay, fine. You know, to really make him pay for it. But, Ooh. I mean, it's fantasy football. Come on. What are we doing here? <laughs> okay, well, Heath, Heath is removing his commissioner powers. So. I agree with that. I think he I, he should take fine. the loss, and he shouldn't be commissioner anymore. Sh- but let somebody else let him keep his, to do it. Who let wants him to keep do his first-round pick? <laughs> I would probably say that the next commissioner should change the guy's team name to Cheater for the next season. <laughs> This team should be cheered for the rest of the next season. I think that like it's great in theory to, to remove his commissioner powers, but what if he's actually a good commissioner who just made right. a mistake? I think it's been demonstrated that he's not. It was a mistake, Heath. Gosh, you're so harsh. Kicking everyone out. You know how many leagues? Is, it, it is, it is, is this his first year playing fantasy football and he's never dealt with setting a lineup before games he actually made a start mistake. before? He made a mistake. You know? Um. People, I what if, what if he we went know out, countless went people out, had, had a, who play had a, fantasy had a had a rough night and you know woke up a little late. Yeah, we know so many people who play fantasy. They know set your lineup before the game. Okay, starts. but I mean, my gosh, we only hear from a small sample size of people complaining about these things. You know, it would it would have been all over the place if it was a widespread problem with people forgetting about a game. So he's you know, there, there's some responsibility that every man and woman has to take for mm. owning a fantasy football roster. And we can't hold hands for everybody when it comes right. to setting the lineup. So what was your Camara, what was your opinion, Dave, about the Camara situation? I, I felt like you were a little bit more lenient on that. And so for people who don't remember, Camara played in London, 9 a.m. Eastern, and was inactive, a surprise inactive. And a lot of people had Camara in, in their lineup. Uh, and some commissioners allowed that manager to make a change and some commissioners did not. I was on the, yes, you can change the lineup, you know, especially if we're talking about someone out, out on the West coast and it was six in the morning when that game started and had no idea Camara wouldn't be in. So what was your, do you remember Dave, how you felt about it? I don't remember exactly, but I believe I said that if you were to ask for forgiveness and to make a change and the person you were playing agreed to it, that you should be allowed to make the change. Okay. And maybe you would play against somebody like Jamie, who is a benevolent yes. fantasy manager, and he would say, okay, I understand. You can go ahead and, and make the change. And the commissioner would probably allow that, and that's cool. But you should not be allowed, if you're a commissioner of a league, to change your lineup 10 minutes after the game starts. Unless sure. you reach out to right. people, yes. the so person you're playing, and you say, dude, I messed up, I overslept, yes. I didn't take Camaro out of my lineup. Do you mind if I put in somebody else who hasn't started playing yet, and they right. say, okay, that's fine. <laughs> if he does that, then we're good. Yeah. Go ahead, Heath. I'll give you, I'll give you the last one. Popular opinion. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't like <clears throat> the commissioner asking the opponent if it's okay to bend the rules for his opponent in that week. 
you're putting the guy in a bad position. He has to choose between his fantasy football interests and everybody thinking he's a jerk. And he's not even the one that messed up. All right. Well, look, all I know is Heath has ruined a lot of leagues by kicking a lot of people out of the I did not kick years. anyone out of the league. I just stripped his commissioner status and changed his team name for a year. <laughs> I support that. That's fine. Uh, all right. We're going to take a break. We'll save Dynasty for next year. Uh, we'll just, no, just, just <laughs> kidding. We'll do some news and notes and talk Dynasty after this on Fantasy Football Today. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy Baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Some news items for you. 49ers press conference yesterday. Kyle Shanahan said he did not see a way that Jimmy Garoppolo would be back with the 49ers in 2023. General Manager John Lynch expressed, ex- expressed optimism that Brock Purdy could have uh, could avoid Tommy John and basically have a procedure that would have him rehabbing in three months and fully cleared in six months. So that is a possibility for Purdy that he'd basically be good to go by training camp or preseason. Uh, Kyle Shanahan also said he'd be surprised if their star left tackle Trent Williams retired in a few weeks, he said. Uh, Williams, I guess, didn't completely close the door on that. That would be a big loss for them. He's one of the Huge. best left tackles in football. The best. Uh, Andrew Thomas. Mike McCarthy will call plays for... <laughs> there it is. He got the Giants in. Let's go. <laughs> Bingo. Mike McCarthy's going to call plays for Dallas. Is this a, a big deal to anyone? How do we... I don't love it. Uh, let me see if I can call up my old data on Mike McCarthy and what he did when he called plays in Green Bay. To go back to C.D. Lamb. Plays in yeah. I think Lamb's the one guy who it could be good for. Why is and that? Because Kellen Moore wasn't as much of an alpha wide receiver guy um, because he's a better offensive coordinator. But he liked to spread the ball around. And I think we saw McCarthy had more input last year, and we saw Lamb's target share also spike last year. I think Lamb is pretty secure as a 30-plus percent target share guy. I'd agree with that. I would think anybody calling plays for Dallas would probably do that. <laughs> I would hope so. But they, they need more, and Kellen Moore didn't do that. That's something to keep in mind with L.A. moving forward. Uh, throughout his time with the Packers, when he called plays for them, 20% of the catches went to running backs, 18% to tight ends. The rest went to wide receivers. They were 60-40 pass on average. Uh, this was about a decade as a play caller in Green Bay. Averaged about 64 plays per game. I, I think leaning toward the pass catchers in that offense is a good move. Okay. Um, my uh, Tua Tungavailoa finally cleared the concussion protocol. It took over a month, and they were very... So can he play in the Pro Bowl? <laughs> That's actually He's what great. I was thinking, but I don't think so. 
Okay, let's talk Dynasty here. If you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash today. If you're ever looking for our full-length shows, by the way, archived on YouTube, you have to click the Live tab at youtube.com slash today. That's where you'll find our full-length shows. Otherwise, you're just going to see clips. But again, click the Live tab, youtube.com slash today, and subscribe to that channel and watch all of our stuff. You can watch it live or on demand. All right, uh, let's see. What picks did we have? Heath, you had the third pick, right? Fourth, fourth, All right. still. <laughs> uh, I keep thinking that it was three receivers and then Mahomes, but Mahomes <laughs> stuck in there. Third overall. Uh, what, what did I have, Heath? The fifth pick, sixth pick? You were the fifth pick right behind me. <laughs> I'm it's trying on the screen. I had you the wrong count league. numbers across. Jamie had the 12th pick. Dave had the first pick. I didn't ask Schaefer to participate, so he's not on here. But um, yeah, it's uh, Dave at the first pick, me at the fourth pick, Azer at the fifth pick, and Jamie at the twelfth pick. So Jamie had the twelfth pick, and Adam had the fifth pick. I had the fourth pick, and Dave had the first pick. And when did CD Lamb go? He went to me with the fourth pick. Okay, so I'm just gonna read round one. Um, No, I'm not gonna do that first. All right, start up. (laughs) Startup dynasty. Let's talk overall overall approach here. Dave, you had the first pick. Uh, this was, by the way, one quarterback, three receivers, and a flex, two running backs, tight end, big benches, full PPR. What do you do for a startup dynasty? There are no rookies in this draft, but how do you kind of balance uh, competing now versus getting young guys? And Dave, since you had the first pick, you know, what was your approach? My approach was get the best player who wasn't too old with the first overall pick. That was Justin Jefferson. That's who I would take first overall in a redraft. And my plan going into the draft was to take young players at the 2, 3, and 4, 5 turn and then go pick up that value from older players the rest of the way. And I I had to ditch that plan because when I was up in rounds 2 and 3, both Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams were both on the board. And I just loved the idea of having a team with Jefferson, Cup, and Adams on it. Those are three of the top five receivers in fantasy. So I thought to myself, okay, cool. I'll try and win the league this year. And so those were the first three picks that I made. And then I thought to myself, okay, then I'll go after young guys with my next bunch of picks. And I didn't quite do that, not all the way. There were some older players whose values I just could not resist. But what I ended up ultimately doing was getting stocked up on stud-wide receivers and then hog wild on just running back flyers for like almost seven straight rounds in a row, something like that. It's a very I, interesting team, Dave, because yeah, I, th- I, I I wonder if you I I don't I, okay. So your first three picks were Jefferson Cup Adams. Those are your three starting receivers. That's incredible. But who are you starting at running back? Dobbins and Acres. Um, yep. Deshaun Watson's your quarterback. Tight end is Okonkwo. Yeah, I screwed the pooch at tight end. Whatever. So what, what hey. I was going to say, and I've done this before, and I did it a little bit in this draft. I, I just didn't um, quite get on one side. Like when you had Jefferson Cup and Adams, I think what you said was, I decided I'm just going to win the league this year. And I think you, I, that's what I thought when I saw you take Cup and Adams. Like, well, this year is pretty much done. Um, but I think if you're going to, for me, if I'm going to do that, then at round four, the end of round four, that four or five turn where you took J.K. Dobbins, I'm probably taking 
Derrick Henry. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. probably trying to I get an, resist. an elite quarterback. I'm probably trying to get an, an elite tight end, um, like a Kittle or a Waller. They fell quite a ways in this draft. Like, I think for me, I would like to generally commit one one way or the other. Yeah, right. That's my question, Dave. Do you think you did that? Because you could have gone no. instead of Dobbins and Jamison Williams, who were rounds four and five. You could have gone. I could have had Dobbins and Derrick Henry. Yeah. Or Mixon, you could have gone Mixon and Henry. I could have had Henry I, Mixon. I, I think the, sure. the Williams or, pick is, the William pick, Williams pick to me is great. Like, but I think taking Henry over Dobbins makes the most sense. Like, if if you're just gonna go one way, go one way, and stick to it. Like, because what you what you don't want to end up doing, and this is for any dynasty league, is be stuck in the middle. Being stuck in the middle is terrible. So you may win the league in 2023. Then I'm not stuck in the middle. No, but you probably are for the next three or four years. You know, like that's that's I the, could just blow it up. That, that's you could, but like. And if you don't win it this year, which is something that I experienced be, in our dynasty, because then, then you're you're sort of like you have a lot of a lot of if this, if that, if this, if that, you know, if Pacheco's still good, if Robinson's, you know, like Zamir gets the job, could certainly send you in in the winning direction. Yeah, but like I think once you got to that two three turn, you're like, okay, I'm winning this now. Maybe I win it for the next two years, and then I'll take my chances after that. And instead, I kind of towed the line of. Well, I got some guys right. for now, it's, it, it's, but it's, I think Dobbins has some some legs to stay in the league for more than just a couple more seasons. And I, yeah. I definitely love Jamison Williams' long-term outlook. And then in 6-7, Cam Akers and Pacheco. To me, those were the best available running backs. I'm hoping one of them can end up being good. But you took and them I over Kamara. I mean, you know, you took them over Kamara. I don't know if you – would you do that? You wouldn't do that in a redraft league, would you? No. Yeah. All right. So, so that's I don't that, know what the suspension could be. That was yeah, an interesting. Um, that was an interesting. That, that was team one. So Dave's team at first overall would be uh, Deshaun Watson and Trey Lance. Uh, running backs are Dobbins, Akers, Pacheco, Brian Robinson, Zamir White, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jamison Williams. Not bad. John Mechie, Zay Jones. So strength there. Um, all right. Danny Gray was my last pick. I went with a very young strategy. I don't know, Heath or Jamie, did you – what did you guys do? Young except for one pick. <laughs> Which was what? Joe Mixon in round five. What is he, 27? He will mm-hmm. be next year. Yeah. And Jamie, Which, how about you with the 12th pick? I just went best available player but leaning more toward youth than age when it came to decisions. So who thinks they could win the league this year with their roster? Dave, you obviously do. Yes, yes. Anybody else think that, oh, I got a league-winning team? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyler is Kyler at some point in the season and McCaffrey stays healthy. Um, I, have shot. I think Alfredo Brown has a league-winning team. And what is his team? He has Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler at running back. He has Travis Kelsey at tight end. He has Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett. Absolutely. Yeah. At wide receiver and Justin Fields is his quarterback. Right. So okay, that this was the number two. So let's take a look at the number two team here. Alfredo Brown. Um, Jamar Chase was his pick. Then in the second round he took Kelsey. In the third round he took Eckler. And these are guys who are obviously getting up there in age, but they're still going to be potentially number one at their position in the preseason rankings. Kelsey will be one. Eckler will probably be two uh, in PPR. Justin Fields in round four. Derek Henry in round five. That would be, what, 50th overall? Uh, Tyler Lockett, Keenan Allen, and that's his, that's his core, his first seven picks. 
uh, with Fields. You know, hopefully Fields is good. He took Geno Smith later in round 14. Um, and then he also has... They're taking Cousins instead. Instead of Geno? Yeah. Yeah, he could have? Yep. And, um, okay, sorry. And then so... Give that your strategy. Yeah. So does he have any youth? He has Romeo Dobbs. He has Chase Claypool. Well, he has Jamar, Jamar Chase and Justin Jamar, Fields. Jamar Chase and Justin Fields, yeah. Okay, but do you think, I mean, if things... What do you think the future... What do you think the 2024 outlook is for this team? Blow it up. Probably. Um, probably. Okay. It, it's a. I mean, I think it's possible that team could compete for two years, but it's probably a win it year one, blow it up year two. No, I mean, Eckler and Henry are the key to it. If they're still okay. doing what they're doing, then he should be fine. But, you know, we're, we're approaching 30 for those two guys, and the, the sustainability and of success is just not likely. And Kelsey will be 35 at that point, you know. So, you know, he's, he's looking at that point if he doesn't win it and knows – what the future is, you know, you're trying to trade Kelsey to a team that's a tight end away or, you know, Eckler or Henry to a running back, a team that's a running back away. Uh, should we go over the age stuff that I sent you guys earlier? Is that interesting for this discussion? Maybe save it. Be more of a... I think we could do that on a different topic. show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just a, the quick conclusion is that it's not, you don't get a ton of great running backs after 26. You don't get a ton of great wide receivers after 28. That might be changing, though, at the running back position. Last year was an outlier. All right, so then let's go through uh, the draft. Or Heath, did you want to catch you up there? No, I was going to say, I thought one of the things with the running back thing, like it did change last year, but I think what we saw is there was a great, great class of running backs who came in and have mostly dominated the top 10. There are two classes, maybe. And now they've gotten to 27 or 28, and they had one year where they held on. Um, but we can go to my team. Um, I mostly went youth. I started off with C.D. Lamb, Jalen Hurts, and Drake London. Damian Pierce is my first four picks. I did take Joe Mixon in round five. I just I, – I thought it was too late, and I wasn't 100% sure that I couldn't compete still. But then after that, I just went youth because I, I didn't didn't like the, the aged-out guys who were available. Okay, so, yeah, so Lamb, Hurts, Drake London, Damian Pierce, Joe Mixon. That was your first five. And Elijah Moore, James Cook, and Gabe Davis. Um, We're all still, I mean, obviously, I know the other two are obviously young, but I think Gabe Davis is still just 24. How do we feel about Damian Pierce in Dynasty? I like He was like, someone that I would have strongly considered when I took um, Dobbins. Dobbins, yeah. Yeah, he went three picks earlier, so that was forty uh, fifth overall. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's yeah, let's just briefly talk about him, Heath. What drew you to him when you had Dobbins, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Joe Mixon still on the board, Dalvin Cook still on the board? You always have to be worried about these guys, and when I say these guys, I'm talking about Tyler Algier, Algier who went two rounds later, and Isaiah Pacheco who went three rounds later, and Brian Robinson who went four rounds later. These. And I guess Robinson was an earlier draft pick, wasn't he? But these day three running backs um, who have rookie success are often good sells, um, which is why I wouldn't have taken Pierce until round four. But I do think the hiring of Ryan's um, is makes me optimistic. A lot of times defensive coaches are more focused on the run because they want to keep their defense off the field. They've got enough holes to fill on that team. I think he'll prioritize building the defense first and getting a quarterback. I, I don't think Damian Pierce is getting replaced this year. If he has another year like this, he's probably fine for another year. But the, there's a long list over the last three seasons of guys with his profile who have been replaced the very next year. 
I think it's also telling who drafted him too. Because Nick Casario comes from a place where they just have basically found running backs off the scrap heap. You know, whether guys that have gone from someplace else, you know, he's from New England. You know, so guys that have gone from someplace else, like a Corey Dillon or a LeGarrette Blunt, or taking guys that, you know, nobody expected to be featured options as second day picks or third day picks in the NFL draft and have made them into, you know, not necessarily sustainable. So that, that speaks to your point, Heath. But, you know, I don't think they're going to be looking in the draft or free agency to go get somebody of a high profile knowing what they have to replace on that team. You know, so coach matters here, GM matters here. I think for him specifically, he probably does have a two, three-year window of being the lead guy there. So hopefully that's the case. Okay. You know, he went two rounds earlier than Tyler Algier. Do you guys feel like there is that much separation between Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier in a dynasty league? No. I thought that was a great pick by you. Um, I think it's more likely that Algier... I, I think Algier has a better chance of getting replaced sooner than Pierce. Okay. Yeah, but they could both they could both end up being their team's primary running backs for the next three seasons, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I took the uh, I don't know quasi tanking strategy. Uh, I had the fifth pick. I went Brees Hall, then Chris Olave, then Kyle Pitts in the middle of round three. Interesting. Christian. You would have told that to somebody prior to last year in the start of Dynasty. They would have yeah. thought you won the league already. Yeah. I thought Pitts over Andrews is really interesting. How do you have it ranked? Um, Andrews, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Pitts. Uh, um, yeah. What's the age difference? Oh, it's like four years. Yeah. Oh, no. It's more than that with Andrews. Six, I think. He's six years older than Pitts? Wow. Um, right, so I went Hall, Olave, Pitts, Christian Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Tyler Algier. Those are my first six picks. And after, I mean, I had, didn't have that strategy until probably when I took Olave. When I took Olave over like Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, I just, I was like, let's just, let's just see how we can do this. Because I've never done it before. I've never actually played it out where I've taken a very young team thinking probably not going to be that good this year. Uh, but, you know, you, you pair this team with a high rookie pick next year, maybe two good rookies, and then you're talking about, you know, then you're on to something here. I have you guys ever actually uh, tanked? Or not not tanked, but, you know, set yourself up for the future in a, in a startup dynasty draft and played it out? No. I'm not when we did our... Go ahead, Ethan. No, you. I answered. Oh, okay. I just didn't hear what you said. Uh, I don't play in a lot of dynasty leagues. Um, the one that we're in all together, I don't remember going particularly young in. You went the opposite. Yeah. But Heath also did that draft a little differently because he did the veteran draft and then the rookie draft. He did it separately. Mm-hmm. So our 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 draft order determined, like I had a late pick. I think I had 11 or no, 13, 14 team league. I had 13 in the veteran draft. Which means you got two. Two in the rookie rookie draft. draft. So I knew I was drafting at that point. Once the NFL draft was done, I was taking a Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Ended up working out my favor. I got McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it kind of set my draft for me, the veteran draft, knowing that, okay, these are the top two backs. I'm going to probably skew away from necessarily focusing on running back. I remember how that draft unfolded. Um, I drafted Des Bryant in the first round at 11. And thinking I'm going to try and, and and win it now, and got Michael Thomas. No, I'm sorry, Tyree Kill in the second round. Oh yeah. No, Michael Thomas in the second round, Tyree Kill in the third round. So I wasted my first round pick because Des Bryant was terrible that year. Uh-huh. Uh But the next two picks were obviously 
stars. And that's why I've had such sustained success in that league. You know, won it twice and, you know, usually compete in the playoffs uh, because of McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, and, and Michael Thomas, you know, setting, setting me up. Right. And did you think about that in this draft? Did you even let that? Because you had the last pick so, in our mock. So if if this was the same philosophy that uh, we were going to do that, then I probably would not have taken McCaffrey. I probably would have gone with Garrett Wilson and another receiver, mm-hmm. and then just said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean toward probably Bijan Robinson, right. right? You know, and just go that route. So sure. What's interesting about my team is I feel like, you know, if Brees Hall, Chris Olave, and Kyle Pitts and Trevor Lawrence, you know, if they're just good, I feel like I could be decent and not win the league. But, you know, I don't want to be decent, right? So does somebody who does this strategy, this, you know, we don't have to talk about this now, but if you were going to take this strategy, do you just commit to setting a bad lineup, basically, tanking whatever's legal within your league's bylaws? No. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because, like you're saying, like what if Tyler Algier is the lead back for the Falcons and Brees Hall's healthy week one, and Christian Watson's flurry of success is legit? Like you might have a team that can compete. I wouldn't. Um, you give it three weeks, right? And yeah, at least. And with a team this young, like yes, you'd like to have draft picks for the following year, but you're like in a startup. I would like to think I'm at least going to be good in year two or year three. Yeah. And so it's just found money if you're good now, but yeah. you might find yourself competing. It might all of a sudden you're selling your 2024 first. <laughs> right? Maybe. You also, you also, I think, have some scenarios where you could, if it doesn't go right for you, you know, so let's just say you're, you're counting on your core for, let's just say 2024. So 2023 is a wash for you, but Olave going into year three, Pitts, you know, finally showing some life. Brees Hall, Brees Hall, Watson, like Heath said. Lawrence obviously, you know, has a chance to be a stud. Um, you can you can sell Christian Kirk, you know, for a pick. You can sell, you know, maybe Dak Prescott to a team that lost a quarterback for a pick. You know, I know we 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 haven't revealed your old team yet, but you know, you have guys that you could maybe move on from and just keep your core four or five, you know, and, and that's just the type of approach you take. But yeah, I, I don't think you should go in with the idea of I'm gonna be terrible. You know, mm-hmm. you just because you drafted young, go in with the idea of let's see what happens. Yeah. And then you could end up being a buyer. Just so everyone knows, I only have one giant. It's Wondell Robinson, round nine. I like that pick when you took him. <laughs> Thanks. All right, uh, before we reveal a few of the rounds here, uh, Heath, we see Patrick Mahomes went third overall, just ahead of CeeDee Lamb, who you took fourth overall. I had the fifth pick. Um, Heath had the fourth pick. He took Lamb. But, you know, it's a, it's a one-quarterback league. You have Mahomes in round one. You have Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts in round two. When should quarterbacks be drafted in a dynasty league? One QB. Yeah, I took Hertz, so I, it's obviously where I think he should be taken. But um, like I, this was maybe four spots higher than I have Patrick Mahomes, but I have Patrick Mahomes as a first-round pick. He entered this year with the highest three-year average per game for a quarterback. In six-point passing touchdowns, he was the number one quarterback this year. And that three-year average didn't include the best year of his career. So he's just an enormous advantage who's probably going to remain so for the next 10 years. All right. So let's reveal the rounds. Uh, round one is Jefferson, Chase, Mahomes, Lamb, Reese Hall, A.J. Brown as the number four wide receiver, number six overall. Um, how do you feel about that, A.J. Brown? It's tough to know who to take there after Jefferson, Chase, and Lamb. And then also, how do you feel about Brees Hall going ahead of Jonathan Taylor? Because it was Brees Hall, A.J. Brown, Jonathan Taylor. Dave, your thoughts on those three picks? I don't, I don't mind the Brees Hall pick. You've got conviction that he's going to be great. I think he's going to be great. You'll take some lumps this year with him coming back from the ACL, or at least we think that there will be some lumps with him just not being all the way back to his former self. But 
he should be able to have a very good career with the Jets. So you're buying into the flash that we saw before he tore his ACL. We've seen running backs make this recovery before, and they do just fine. I probably would go with the same thing because I just don't have as much conviction in Brown or Waddle or Diggs or uh, Garrett Wilson's one of my favorites. You guys know that. I'm, I'm not ready to take any of those guys ahead of Brees Hall, and Brees is a little younger than Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Um, it would come you, down to the running backs. For yeah, me. but uh, I'm sorry. Did you address who the number four receiver should be? I think it's a tough call. A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddle, Stephon Diggs, Amonra St. Brown, the older guys, Cup and Adams, T. Higgins, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith, Chris Olave. You know, I think, Heath, you have the rankings, right? So Jefferson, Chase, Lamb, they're all young and they're all awesome. Probably going to be the top three for, for many people. Who's, who's wide receiver four? I've got a tier of, I think, five guys. Um, A.J. Brown is in it, but he is um, definitely the oldest. I think he's two years older than everyone else in the tier. So Waddle, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devonta Smith, Brown, and Higgins. I would go with Waddle at four, but I, I have all those guys in the same tier, and I wouldn't make a huge disagreement over any of them. Okay, Is St. Brown the, the safest of this group? I don't know that that's true, really. That's not necessarily the most upside, almost certainly not the most downside. All right, so what's the group again? A.J. Brown, Amonra St. Brown, who else? Waddle, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins. The safest in that group. I have it rated as Waddle because I do put risk, a risk factor on it. Who do you guys think? Jamie, Dave, the safest in that group. St. Brown. Give me the list again. Waddle, Garrett Wilson, St. Brown, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins. Um, I would say probably St. Brown is the safest, but just not knowing, you know, two years from now is Jared Goff the quarterback. So that could change some things, you know, if they go young. All right, so let me go through uh, round one. Jefferson Chase, Mahomes, Lamb, Hall, A.J. Brown, Jonathan Taylor. We know that. Then it's Waddle, Stephon Diggs, uh, Amonra St. Brown, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey. Anything to add? Are we good round two? Yeah. Okay. Garrett Wilson is the first pick of round two. Ken Walker, Josh Jacobs who's what, only 20, 25 next season, Josh Jacobs? Yeah. Uh, T. Higgins, Josh Allen, Devontae Smith, Travis Etienne, Chris Olave, Jalen Hurts, and then we get old. Last three picks, older. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup. So you definitely have this stretch of, of young players and in-their-prime players. Garrett Wilson, Ken Walker, Josh Jacobs, T. Higgins, Josh Allen, Devontae Smith, Travis Etienne, Chris Olave, Jalen Hurts. The first nine picks of round two. The last three are Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Cooper Cup. Tyreek Hill is going to be, what, 29? I'm sorry, 29 or yes. 30. Uh, Kelsey's going to be 34, and Cup is going to be 30? 30. Okay. Um, all right, any thoughts? Anything stand out to you guys in round two? Uh, I think Kelsey was my lowest ranked player drafted in the first two rounds. Uh, maybe Jacobs. Those two are, are both a, a step back for me. But 
I think he did the right thing. If you're going to draft Kelsey there, then take Eckler and Derrick Henry and just go win your one. Right. And Eckler was his if he had taken five. if he had taken Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams instead of Kelsey, I would not have taken Kelsey at the two three turn. If he say that oh uh, oh if Alfredo oh, oh, had oh, taken let's say Alfredo had taken Cooper Cup, mm-hmm. so then I would have I I'm almost certain I would have taken Devontae Adams and Austin Eckler. Okay, and why would you not have taken Kelsey there? And when would you have felt comfortable taking Kelsey? I, I think Kelsey's worth it in round three in a dynasty draft. I just don't want to take it with the first pick when there are some players who are very, very good at their positions who figure to help my fantasy team anywhere from one to four years longer than Travis Kelsey will. Well, I think that's the question with Cup and Adams, who you took at two and three. How much longer do we expect these guys to do it, to be great? Um, because... Recent history suggests they're about to run out of time. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think just, you know, that's where you probably struggled with. Am I trying to win now or mm-hmm. am I trying to build a team that has some balance? And so you you clearly didn't even commit to it in your head after taking Cup and Adams, as you said. Yep. You know, so I think had you said, okay, I'm just taking best player available, no matter the age, no matter what, if I – end up with a veteran laden roster then i'm just going to go to go with it like you said you know you you kind of didn't know what that i point. did that for a round and then i went mostly young the rest of the world. right so had you known going in okay i'm just taking the best player i don't care if he's 50 or if he's 20 i'm mm-hmm. taking the best player so kelsey 50. and and cup well i mean brady almost made it so cup and <laughs> and and kelsey you know if that was the the route you're going then you just say okay screw it i'm just winning this thing now you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take derrick henry i'm gonna take keenan allen i'm gonna take you know, all those veteran guys that just continue to fall and fall and fall. And then you got to beat me in 2023 and that's not going to happen. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just say this, right? Cause these guys are 29, 30 years old. Devonte Adams will be age 30 in 2023. I know we were going to save this research for another show and we still can, but I'm just looking at the last three seasons in the top wide receivers who finished top 10. And this is not per game. This is finishing top 10. There have only been two that were older than 28. It was Adam Thielen, who was 30 three years ago, three seasons ago. He was wide receiver 10. He barely made it. And Devontae Adams last year was wide receiver three at age 29. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You just don't see guys after age 28 doing much, but that would mean Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams, who were all top five wide receivers this year, and Cooper Cup who was top five per game and number one per game, that would that would spell doom for them. So I'm not saying that these trends can't be broken, guys, but I am I am saying, like, Julio Jones, for example, at age 30 was wide receiver three. And that was 2019. And he's obviously, you know, pretty quickly fallen into huge decline. So mm-hmm. it's just something to keep in mind. You never know when it's going to come. It might might be this year for these guys. Right, and... and- for, I'm sorry, for Adams, there's a lot of things at play, you know, quarterback being a big one, you know, so age and situation changing, you know, those are things you got to be a little bit more concerned about with somebody like him. And I think like it's worth looking at per game too. Yes. Because last year, Cup in nine games was by, was the number one wide receiver, and Keenan Allen was 12. Um, so DeAndre Hopkins was nine. Right. 
Yeah, but that's I, that, part of it, though. With these with these guys at this age, is injuries become a factor. That, you know? Yeah, so, that was the right. other thing, right? I, that that's the whole. So so while while you're getting great per game production, if you're getting five games out of them, you know that's not fun. Okay. <laughs> so the upside, like the, the absolute upside, would be what I can squeeze out three good seasons from Cup and Adams. That they can play. I would, I would relatively well I think through if their age thirty-two season. If you're doing seasons. that, you're putting yourself behind. I think if you go in saying I got maybe two years mm-hmm. of great production, but with the idea of if I just get one great season out of this, I can go win this. But I, I, w- I wouldn't approach it with a three-year mindset with guys like that. You know, once you get to twenty-six, twenty-seven at running back, twenty-eight, twenty-nine at receiver, you know, get what you can and then try and get out what you can. Over under two and a half top twelve seasons from Cup and Adams combined left in their career. Oh, combined? Oh, I'll take the over. Over combined, I would take the over. Yeah. <laughs> Heath, you could take the under. Uh, I no, think he's just setting the line. Make it three I and a half. Take, I would definitely take the under on three and a half. Okay, under on three and a half. Three. All right. All right, uh, I'll do one, one but more round But at that point, though, like, just, let's just say Dave had pivoted. Like, what, what, what else would you have done? I'll say your, your mindset was to go young. Go young no matter young what. prime. Would you have taken Metcalf? Would you have taken London? Metcalf would, you... would have been on the radar. Najee might have been on the radar, but that just, I didn't want to go there. Javante, uh, Pitts maybe, or Andrews. Javante. I mean, because, like, you know, it, it, it really is, unless you, you know, you could have taken a quarterback, you know, but you're kind well, of. What I've taken Burrow. Right. Would have been the only one. But you're, you're. You know, or Pets. You know, you could have taken Pets just with the hope that he bounces back. I don't think so. um, or Andrews. But yeah, if I'm know, doing that, that's not young. You're well. He's still for a tight end. I think he's still okay. But you're you're almost in no man's land. You know, without the rookies being available. Yeah. Right. I mean that that run of Wilson, Walker, Jacobs, Higgins, Devontae Smith, Chris Olave. It didn't leave you with great options. If you wanted nope. to go young, so you did what you had to nope. do. No, they were but all on my queue. My 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 intent, you know, picking at twelve was when the, when it was the draft was starting to unfold. I didn't I didn't anticipate Barkley going before McCaffrey, and I wasn't going to take Barkley. I was going to go Walker Wilson. Like that was my intent as I saw it falling to me. You know, so that was kind of my my approach. All right, one more round here. We'll do round three, and then I got some emails to read. Um, this does not have to be the last time we talk about this draft, too. I want to talk about some late-round picks. But uh, Devontae Adams is the first pick of round three. Austin Eckler, DK Metcalf, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Debo Samuel. How about London and Pitts going back-to-back? That's interesting. Uh, Debo, Javante, Chris Godwin, Najee Harris, Mark Andrews, Nick Chubb, and Ramondre Stevenson. It's a pretty interesting round there. Um, what do you guys think? Like, give me the best, best and worst picks that you see in this round. Najee was a pretty good pick. I liked uh, Drake, Drake London a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually thrilled to get Ramondre at the end of the third round. Yeah, that could go. That could go in different directions, though, right? Sure. So what about the Debo and Godwin picks? Look at a lot of players. Um, Could those be maybe the two least exciting picks of the round? Um, not knowing the quarterback for Tampa Bay, sure. And then Debo's obviously, you know, was he going to be 28? 27? Is he that old? 27? It's a good word for it. They're not exciting picks, but that doesn't mean they're bad picks, right? I mean, there's solid. A Let's use the word solid. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, as of right now, Godwin's not an exciting pick, but Debo will be twenty-six. I think coming into next year as as a healthy wide receiver, like Godwin could be as good as Devontae Adams. Right, but not if it's Kyle Trask. 
at quarterback. Right. That's not right. going to excite many people. Uh, okay. All right. So, what if it's, what if it's Daniel Jones? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> uh, you're obviously referring to Goblin being on the Giants because uh, we're not we're not taking Daniel Jones off the Giants. That would not be funny. Uh, let's read uh, read some dynasty emails here at fantasy football. I love how he's become like the best quarterback in. Oh, I think I, before our next podcast, Adam, you should go through the quarterbacks who are potentially available and tell us how many of them you would rather have than Daniel Jones. Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr, and that's it. Who else is available? You'd rather have Carr. Yes. Um, who, who else is available? Well, the draft. Oh. Guys coming in the draft. Oh, uh, well, I mean, they're not getting Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis. Make a trade. Fine. I'm not. A, I'm really not that. a Daniel Jones guy. I, I, I want you to know that. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not. Okay, Dave's question is uh, Dave and Flint. His dynasty league is expanding. We can only save our active roster. Everyone on the bench and taxi spots is up for grabs for the newcomers. I'm in a conundrum. I have George Pickens, Michael Pittman, and Cam Akers. I have Akers in my flex spot to save, but I'm debating should I stay, save Pittman or Pickens instead? So basically, who would you guys rather have in a dynasty league, George Pickens or Michael Pittman? Both receivers over Akers. Agreed. But which receiver? He can't say both? I think he can because he's putting Akers in his flex. So let's do both scenarios. If you can save both receivers, do that. If you can't and you have to choose between Pickens and Pittman, who are you keeping? I'd lean Pickens right now. I go Pittman, Pickens, Akers. Half PPR? That's what it says here. Um, I would take Pickens. It says that. The only reason because youth, yes, and, and you know his quarterback right now. Um, okay, this next email. I'll look up the greeting here. So it is from Craig. Where's Craig from? Dover, Delaware. Dear Biff, Skinhead, 3D, and Match. That Oh, those are part of Biff's gang in Back to the Future? Back to the Future. I, mean, I knew Biff. Oh, I didn't I mean, know the There others. was a guy who had uh, 3D glasses, so that would make sense. Okay. 3D. <laughs> I got offered Christian McCaffrey for my Justin Jefferson. Uh, obviously not. He has come back with McCaffrey for my CD Lamb. I am weaker at running back. I have Henry, ETN, Miles Sanders, and Dobbins. Um, I have Jefferson, Lamb, Hopkins, Marquise Brown, and Calvin Ridley, and John Mechie. So would you give up Lamb for McCaffrey? I don't think you're that weak at running back. You're keeping Lamb. Yeah, I would need, uh, I would need something in addition to Christian McCaffrey for C.D. Lamb. A second round pick. Keep Lamb, butthead. <laughs> what if it were a Lamb and a second round pick? Oh, no. What if it were McCaffrey and a second round pick for Lamb? Early second, uh, yes. Like yeah. top three mm, picks in the second round. I don't think. Maybe if it's the top pick of round two. Maybe. All right, next Lamb's question. going to be good for a long time. Jared from? From uh, Hill Valley, California. Hey. It's Jared. 12-team non-PPR. We keep two players. It's a keeper league. It's not a dynasty league. We can keep them for two years at where they were drafted, and then after that, we keep them for what round they are projected for. 
I have Justin Jefferson, who I'm sure will be a first-round keeper next year. I have an offer to give up Jefferson for Cooper Cup, who would be a fourth-round pick for one more year. It's a non-PPR league. Would you give up a first-round Jefferson to get a fourth-round Cup? How long can you keep Jefferson for? What I, pick do I you think have? I think every year. Oh, we can keep them for two years at where they were drafted. And then where they're projected after that. So it's basically you can so keep. So he could feasibly keep Justin Jefferson for the rest of his career with, for a first-round pick. It sounds, right. it sounds that way. I'm keeping Jefferson. But then what happens to Cup in two years? Let's just say Cup's still good. Hopefully he's helped me win a bunch of dynasty titles. So then Cup is back in the first round? After this year, Cup's back in the first round. So it's two more years, this year and another year of Cup in the fourth round? Uh, no, it's one more year of Cup in the fourth round, and then after that it's his projected draft round. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not giving up Jefferson. Um, no, I don't think I am either. I was trying to think if you had like the first or second pick, if I would, but probably not. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. You guys want to do some Pro Bowl DFS? <laughs> Must start. Yeah, Jamie, got the column ready yet? Uh, no. Yeah. All right. I'm going no with TV line. Ball, how no many? How many flags will this player have over on? Did Daniel Jones make the Pro Bowl? I don't think so. Tyler Huntley did. I appreciate you asking about <laughs> Daniel Jones. All right, I'm going to the gym. We'll see y'all later. Have a great weekend, everybody. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.